Hello, Life Changes Church. We are in our series, Move Again. We are looking through the book of Exodus as the Israelites move out of slavery and oppression, move through the wilderness, and move into the promises of God. Head over to our social media or our website for more content, such as podcasts and blogs. But also grab a notebook and a pen as we look at all that God has for us during this time. As we continue our Move Again series today, are you enjoying the book of Exodus? Are you, uh, please, please tell me you're reading it, you are finding the mining, the gold for yourself in this incredible book. And I keep saying it, but, but church is not enough. You need to be in the Word. We, we would, just to read through the book together would take weeks. No, we, we've got to be reading ourselves, consuming the Word, going to the Word ourselves, and then we come together to find direction and as a people continue to move forward because God has got freedom. And I want to encourage you again, if you haven't taken a photo in front of Move Again, if there are areas of your life you're saying, God's calling me to move, take a photo for yourself. You don't have to put it on social media if you don't want to. For yourself. Say, God, I want to move in this area. I want to see the breakthrough that you have for me in this area and in faith rise up. But today, I want to speak, and I'm speaking, I love this incredible truth. God makes a promise to his people. Who knows we have a God who, when he makes his promise, he keeps his promises. And he says this, and, and he says, then I will make you, and he's making a promise in Exodus, and he's saying, I will make you, out of all nations, you will be, you will be my treasured possession. And at that time, yes, he's speaking to the Israelite Hebrew people, and we don't believe in a replacement theology, but the new language in the, in the New Testament is the bride, the bride of Christ. There's his treasured possession as well, his bride. I love the way that that is understood. When that is translated, it's actually this word segula. And it, it doesn't just mean treasured possession, it means actually portable treasured possession. It's this image that the God who comes and finds his treasured possession, then never leaves it behind, takes his treasured possession wherever he goes. He, God is moving his people, and in the move, he's teaching his people to trust him, to follow him, to believe him. Actually, there's no higher currency with which believers operate in this life. God's still calling people to trust him. He's still calling people to truly believe him. He's still calling people to follow him. Even in 2022, when following anyone isn't woke or cool, now God is still the God who's calling people to follow him. And he's speaking to us at these times, and he's calling us to move. And, and you see, God has been moving in so many ways through the book of Exodus. You see, through the early chapters, he's moving in power. He's doing the moving. And yet, the people of God... They get the benefits of God moving in power. And we see it start out, we see the burning bush. A little bit of power, God, just a little bit, bush on fire, talking from a bush. Anybody had a good burning bush lately experience? Just, just anyway, no, okay, this is Cape Town. It's windy and rain. We're not going to do that. There's the staff and the snake. There's the ten plagues. There's the Passover. Then there's the sea that opens up and God's people walking through on dry land. And then there's the enemy who gets covered over by the waters. God revealing himself in power. The people of God literally just following his word. They are not acting in faith. He hasn't even asked much of them. It was only in the latest stage, in, the, in plague number 10, the pastor, he says, I need a little bit of faith from you. I need you to kill a perfect lamb and put the blood on the door. Just a little, little bit of faith. God is already revealing himself in power. And we see at the end of those chapters, 1 to 14, we encounter um, the Israelites. Who's heard, have you ever heard of Israel's Got Talent? It was, the, it was well before America's Got Talent. <laughs> Moses was actually the first contestant with Miriam. It was a duet in Exodus 15. It went like this. 
and I, it was more of a beatbox, but I'm just going to read it. I, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the sea. Power. God of glory. God of power. And then God says, actually, he starts to reveal that he's also God of promises. Glorious promises. Beautiful promises. And he does that by proving his promises up front to his people. He says, I want to show you that I'm a God who will provide manna and quail every day. You need food in a desert, no shops around, I'm going to provide every day. Do you need to store up for tomorrow? No, you just eat for today. Why? Because I will give you your daily bread. You can trust me. Carries on. He says, no, actually what we need is water. We're thirsty. We're grumpy. We need water. No problem. Boom, water from a rock. A picture of a God saying, I'll continue to provide living water to my people even in the desert lands. I'm the God who will provide water in miraculous ways. I promise you I'll never leave you. I promise you I'll never forsake you. Immediately, God provides food and says, I'll provide for you. God provides water. He says, I'll continue the miracles and the enemies attack. And God gives them victory over the Amalekites. Go and read it. It's glorious. And they're standing there and Moses and his hands are up and they're holding his arms up. And Joshua, we see for the first time, he enters the story, starts to fight. And God gives them victory over the Malachites. And God's saying, I've shown you my power. Now let me reveal my promises. I'll provide for you. I'll give you living water and I'll give you victory over your enemies. That in the natural, this people group were weak. Please understand that they hadn't been training for 200, 400 years. They had been in captivity. They were slaves. At best, they were strong from carrying rocks. Their slave masters didn't see it a good idea to teach them necessarily how to be warriors, and yet God gave them victory. See, God's a God of promises. And he's speaking to us today. He says, I'll provide for you in the desert. I'll bring water from rocks. I'll give you victory over your enemies. And the next chapter, we encounter Moses' father-in-law. Big bad Jethro. Now Jethro is not a believer. He's not part of God's people. But he comes and sees what God is doing. He starts to testify of the miracles of what God has done on behalf of the people. He starts to sing the songs of God's glory. He becomes a believer. He engages the grace of God. He starts speaking to Moses and reminding him about the goodness of God. And Jethro, in turn, becomes a believer. And God says, not only will I provide for you in the desert, not only will I defeat your enemies, I am the God who redeems and saves. And your family who thinks too far, I'm the God who is faithful. And God just pouring out his promises. You know what he's asked of them to this point? Hardly anything. Will you just trust me? Will you just trust me? And then we encounter this story that often most people, when they even preach a series sometimes in the book of Exodus, they get to Exodus chapter 10. Whoa, they're free now. We're good to go. Because we get to the awkward part where it's the Ten Commandments. It's that classic part where everyone in, in, in again, our world, of, if you want to shout anything, well, you can't keep your own Ten Commandments. What about the other 603 of the 613 laws your God gave you? And you're right. They're always right. Because you never could. 
And so God, we enter the situation of the commandments being given, but I want to tell you about the covenantal promise given just before the commandments are poured out. It says this in Exodus 19 verse 3. Then Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are saying to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Hear the language if you read the New Testament. A priesthood of all believers, a holy nation, a treasured possession, a bride. Treasured possession. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. And all of a sudden, it's like the book of Exodus takes a whole new turn where it had only been about God and his actions. All of a sudden, he brings a covenantal promise with conditions. You see, all of a sudden, we start realizing the great lesson that we will be taught at this moment, that salvation by the blood of the land is only the beginning of God's purposes in his people. It's the beginning. It's the beginning. Why does an Exodus journey start? Because, because you could easily, and what the church did for years, will come to church, encounter God's salvation, boom, you're fine, done. No journey beyond there. No, there's a journey that starts at salvation. And there's a journey into more, and it's a journey of if you will obey me, if you will trust my commands, if you will believe that I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, if you will trust me, I will. See, the, the challenge is for many believers, that's like a stumbling block. Even in the church, in our world of 2022, it's like a stumbling block because many people, and, and Gabe preached in the early days, the slaves Bible of Years ago in America, they excluded chapters 1 to 18. Why? Because they wanted the slaves religious, just not free. The challenge is a lot of the church and a lot of people who claim Christianity also want the opposite only. They want the church free, but not religious. Religious meaning, actually, I don't want God's ways. I don't want, it's not woke to be publicly godly. It's not woke to only sleep with my wife. Let's just put the real things on the table. It's kind of not cool to only have one sexual partner for all of my life. It's kind of not cool to wait for marriage. It's kind of not cool to actually give of my time, my talents. Like God would really want me to give of something. I mean, God is a giver. Surely I know he's making you into more of himself. He's revealing himself. And so God changes tack in, as he presents the commandments, as he calls them into this covenant of law. And it's an imperfect covenant, as we'll discover later, and we'll speak about now. But it was a covenant that moved the people from a, a, a lost group of people who had been slaves for hundreds of years, who knew nothing about freedom and how to walk into purpose. All they were doing was just following God, saying, I'm making you a people of purpose. How am I going to do that? I need to put some boundaries in your story. Why? Because my people are different. Here's what you're going to have to settle about being a disciple of Jesus. He's calling you to be different. I'm not talking different in weird ways. I mean, I went to church when the ribbons were out. I thought, God, if you ever call me to pick up a ribbon and dance in church, I'm out. It's like, it's a, I'm out. I'm just, I just personally, I'm just, I mean, and, and I'm married to a ribbon girl. Check, she's, she's challenged right now. But I'm like, I'm out. She can ribbon, I'm not ribboning nothing. 
Like if that's what it means to be a believer, I'm out. Fortunately, I've received the freedom to not wave a ribbon. But there are a whole bunch of other things. The Bible says I'm calling my people too. It's a mandate and I'm calling them into purpose. I'm not just calling them to be a wandering people through a desert. And there are too many believers knowing they've been saved, knowing they've been redeemed, still just wandering through a desert, but with no purpose. What's the purpose? The purpose isn't church on a Sunday. The purpose isn't religious acts. The purpose isn't the daily reading plan. The purpose is seeing the kingdom of God advanced. The purpose is that wherever we go and whatever you do in life, that whatever that journey ends up and wherever it takes you, Jesus' name is made great. People encounter His grace. People find freedom. People find life. That's the purpose. And God's all of a sudden saying, I'm here changing this story now. You've been followers. I'm pulling you into the story. And it looks like this. I'm beginning with my generosity. He says, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You've seen. You've seen my power and how I carried you on eagles' wings. Now, the eagles' wings picture is a beautiful picture because eagles are famous for the way they care for their young. Famous. Protection, provision, going and feeding and then regurgitating food to make sure that the young are cared for. When Jesus says that he is tempted, he says, actually, it's, it's not, it's, it's my Father's will, it's not my will. It's, it's his words, not my words. Man doesn't feed on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the Father, the picture is the picture of an eagle presenting to their young the food that they have consumed and good for the young. Jesus, God is reminding his people that he's a God of generosity, but yes, there's a condition attached. Now, if you obey me fully, say fully. It's like a big word, eh? It was like one of those gangster words, you say, hey, fully brew. And that doesn't mean anything like that. And keep my covenant. Whose covenant? His covenant. Which means we don't write the covenant and the term sheets of the covenant. It's a challenge, eh? I sit with believers all the time, and, and then things get hard and say, can I have a meeting? I'm going, sure, let's have a meeting. And they, they tell me a situation. I'm going, but you know the Bible says do the opposite. Hey, don't put that on me, bro. Like, well, why did you go from this to this sitting at the table? Why? I'm being honest. Physical response. Like, well, don't put that on me. And we live in a world of don't put that on me. And I'm going, I didn't, but God does. God demands something of why? Because he's pulling you into purpose. And if those chains are still holding you down, your purpose will always be held back. See, we want a Savior, and we want a Bible who makes no demands. God wants my treasures. God wants no. See, he's saying, you're no longer lost. I have found you. Now let me lead you. So it's a promise. He says, I'll make you a special, my special possession. The whole world's looking for that one knowledge, identity. And my identity, God says, I'm a special possession. It's been the journey of mankind since the Garden of Eden. It'll never change. God says, here it is. He says, I'll make you a kingdom. You'll become a kingdom of priests and the obedience. And it's an amazing thing because I'm not going to preach through each of the laws today because God comes and speaks into the law. But the very first one, God presents and he, he speaks into it. He says, Exodus 20, says the first command, you shall have no other gods before me. You know what's amazing about that command? Because most people know that one. Is it's a law and a commandment being brought to the people of God. And they're all cowering at the bottom of the mountain waiting for what Moses is going to come down. Like, what's he going to say? 
Moses comes down and says, Foof, here are the Ten Commandments. He's got his on his iPad and he's reading from his iPad. He says, Actually, you shall not. That you in the Hebrew language can be either singular or plural. He's speaking to a nation, but he chooses intentionally to use the singular. He says, you are a people and you are becoming, but each individual has to make a decision. Each individual has to go a journey of saying, God, you are my God, you are my shepherd, you are my Lord. And in making that decision, a nation is born. And God speaks and he challenges and and he's teaching them. Why? Because they were clueless guys. They'd been in slavery for years. They'd had nothing other than the culture of Egypt. They had some memories of the generations before and how God had broken them before and been faithful to the people before, but they'd learned the ways of slavery. So God says, I need to put some boundaries. I need to call you to some things because I'm leading you by the hand to become a people of purpose. And he starts speaking and no other gods, no other idols. Do not misuse the name of the Lord. Remember the Sabbath. Honor your father and mother. That's a commandment. It's not a suggestion. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Why? Because I reckon some of that stuff was going on. Some of that stuff's going on. So God speaks. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Why? Because God had a greater purpose for them. He had a promise for them. And he was leading them. Again, in a world of 2022, it's intimacy without strings. Fluidity in all things. My sexuality is fluid. My gender is fluid. Everything. And I know you think I'm having a hammering. I'm struggling with some of those 2022 concepts. And I've got a wrestle and a fight in me for God's plan for this world and his design that is different to the voices of this world. And please make sure you are pushing into his design. Because it might sound attractive and it might sound clever, but if it's not God, it's not eternal. God says, no. I'm going to speak, and he starts speaking into how you treat servants and personal injuries, and I don't have time to teach all of this, but, but I want to tell you this whole Exodus 20 and God moving into the laws, Exodus 20 to 24, is just a shadow and a copy of what is to come, and he has the glory of today because the upgrade was coming. Maybe you're like me, and, and you get your computer's been shouting at you for about an hour and a, a year and a half, not an hour and a half, saying, upgrade me. Yeah, you. Does yours do that? Just mine. It's like I'm looking at it, I'm going, go away. Go, and then I wonder why things don't work, and uh, I'm just not that good. But the, the Bible says, no, Jesus comes with a better covenant. See, we are Christians. We are no longer people moving around, and, and, and God has chosen and speaking. No, God says, actually, I've sent my son to die, and in death, he brought a better covenant, and he mediated a better covenant. Don't believe me. It's the language of the Bible. Jesus is better than Moses. Now, we preach the series, and we love Moses, but Jesus is way better than Moses. It says this in Hebrews 8, but now he has obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he is also a mediator, the mediator of a better covenant, which has been enacted on better promises, a better covenant on better promises. It says, for if that first covenant had been faultless, there would be no occasion sought for a second. For finding fault with them, he says, behold, days are coming, says the Lord, when I will effect a new covenant with the house of Israel within the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers on the day I took them out by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant, and I did not care for them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds. 
and I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. See, why does the church gather? Because we're a people. Why does the church go on mission? Why do we celebrate young men going on adventures with their wives as they've counted God full of the Spirit? Because we're a people on the move, and God says he'll do that. Why? Because of a better covenant. And when Christ came, the shadows began to fall away. And so everyone who keeps saying, oh, but what about your commandments? And what? I'm going, yeah, but Jesus made that all fall away. So why do we get awkward why about it when we speak about it in the book of Acts? No, we don't get awkward about it. We celebrate the fact that Jesus gave us a better covenant. No one's longing back for iOS Apple 1.13 or their Nokia click down banana phone from the 90s. No one's going, bring that phone back, baby, where to get to an H you had to go, ah, da, 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 da. No one wants that. See, that's the old covenant. It's cumbersome. It's broken. Why is it cumbersome? And why did it have faults? Well, firstly, because on the human side, there was brokenness. There was unbelief and hard-heartedness. We see that throughout the story. Read the story again. It's all in there. But on God's side, there was also a problem as the Spirit of God and the sovereign enablement of the Spirit had been withheld, which we cannot do without. We just can't. So here's the amazing thing. 50 days it took Israel to go from the Passover moment to the Mount of Sinai. 50 days, that journey. And in that journey, they encountered God. In that journey, God was revealing things. God was leading them and speaking them. They overcame they encountered his promises. You know what the amazing thing is? Well, 50 days in a better covenant, 50 days from the resurrection of Jesus Christ to Pentecost. When God says, actually, see with Moses, you had a good thing going. And God led you and spoke. But with Moses, as Moses brought down the laws and were designed and God's spirit was limited then as the people moved on the tabernacle to the ark. No longer does that the case. Jesus, the mediator of a better covenant with better promises, actually now is going to be written on your heart. How? I'm going to put the spirit of God inside of you. Inside of you. I don't know if this doesn't excite you, but, uh, but maybe you think, how are we, what are they going to do with the commandments? I want to tell you, God gave the commandments because he was step-changing what God had planned for his people. And he's showing them that this is just a shadow, a picture. There's a king coming who is bringing more freedom, more grace, and better promises. And maybe you say, well, you're getting excited, Mark. I am excited. Because Moses climbed up a mountain to encounter the glory of God, and everyone else stood fearful. Well, Jesus also climbed up a mountain carrying my cross. So that one day, I could be filled with the Spirit of God. Let's stop there for a second. All my brokenness, all my pain, all my everything, and God still says, I want in. Have you ever thought about that? Do you want to know what the gospel is? That's the gospel. The problem is, we want it more like an app we can turn on and off. With no notifications. God, you, I'll talk to you when I want to. You don't talk to me. See, why is it important? See, at Sinai, the place that God met Moses and gave him the commandments, the better covenant comes and God reveals at Pentecost his plan is to place God inside of all men. God revealed his power. The people of God didn't have to do much. God gave his promises, and all they had to do was receive them. 
And then God says, I want to make a covenant. But this covenant has some conditions. And yes, we don't live under the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. He came upon the law. He was the perfect fulfillment of the law. He puts the Spirit of God inside of us and enables us to live lives of freedom. Fulfilling the law completely in the perfection of His blood. But He pulls us into purpose, which the law could never do. The law can't give you purpose. It just can't. Fulfilling all the mandates and trying to fulfill, it'll never give you purpose. What gives you purpose is the Spirit of God inside. Salvation by the blood of the Lamb. It's only the beginning of God's purpose. Play that thing, Jason. There we go. Can you stand with me this morning? I, I, I know normally we come with three or four neat points. And they all start with A or P. And it's great. But sometimes we just got to go to the Word of God. And say, God, what are you doing with your people here? Well, he's moving again. And he's also calling you to move again. And maybe in your thinking, someone led you to believe that salvation and that moment of salvation was the beginning of the end of your story on this side of eternity. And one day in heaven, it'll continue in the presence of Jesus. It's a lie. No, salvation is glorious. Everything changes, but everything changes so the story can begin. So that the abundant life that is promised in Jesus begins. Stop waiting for eternity in heaven one day. For your pain to be healed. For freedom to come in the areas of brokenness and chains in your life. Stop waiting for one day when you enter His gates. To say, oh then, I'll walk free. No, He says, no, I've called you to purpose. Why would I call you to purpose with your chains dragging behind you in a desert? Have you ever tried to walk through a desert dragging chains? Have you ever tried to pull a trailer through the desert? No, leave that trailer in the desert and move. And move. And here's what I'm telling you. You can't do it on your own. You're never meant to do it on your own. Every promise that God has for you was never for you to do it on your own. You need the Spirit of God who comes and enables your ability to play your part in this promise-keeping covenant, this covenant of generosity and grace that brings life and freedom and joy. It sees a church walk with purpose. Can we close our eyes just for this last moment, minute? As we preach the book of Exodus, I'm telling you from beginning to end, there's one purpose that God is leading this people through a desert on, and He's breaking chains, and He's leading them through seas and rivers and flood and fighting giants on their behalf. There's one thing He's looking for. He says, I'm looking for a people, my beloved, my treasured possessions, and I just want them to trust me. I want them to follow willingly. I want them to believe. Can't do it on their own. See, I gave a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day because that's what they needed then. But today, they don't need clouds of, they need the Spirit of God. That's how the chains break. It's how the journey carries on. It's where the sustaining power comes, it's where the life is, it's where the purpose is found. It's where the joy in Christianity is found. 
Stop trying to tick box commands you think that will please God and enjoy the God who is inside of you, who sealed you with the promised Holy Spirit the day you said yes to Jesus, the day, the instant, the second, sealed. God's calling His church to purpose. He used a mountain then. He used a mountain that we remembered Easter. He'll keep using mountains. The difference is we don't have to climb to the top to encounter Him anymore. He's with you at the bottom. He's with you on the journey. He's with you in the tough parts. He's with you when the Amalekites stand and shout. And the giants declare, he's with you. He's with you now. Can you raise your hands to God right now, just for a sec? Spirit of God. Would you come upon your people now? I pray would striving cease. My God, I've been that believer. I've been that believer. Striving so hard to do it right. White-knuckled Christianity that can never lead to life. But I also know what it is to surrender. Say, God, you're the God of the deserts, you're the God of the mountains. You spoke them into being. Why would I doubt you? Pandemics come. Why would I not trust you? Challenges come. Why would I not hold on to your promises? The world starts shouting, you don't know who you are. And yet my father says, you're a treasured possession. My son, no longer a slave, set free for my glory and for purpose. Not for surviving. See, surviving was for slaves, for purpose. Let purpose come upon your people, I pray, Spirit of God. Let purpose come into lives. Let purpose come into marriages. Let purpose come into freedom journeys this morning, God. Let purpose come into the young. Let purpose come into the older. Let purpose come where there has been a sense of purposeless in your people. I pray, God, let purpose come. And I pray, Spirit of God, blow. Spirit of God, blow. Come into every heart now. Not the passion of a preacher. Not the zeal of a preacher man, God, but your plans your power, your purposes for your people. Have your glory, God. Have your glory, King. We worship you, God. We worship you, King. Can you say that with me? We worship you, God. We worship you, King. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We need a fresh wind. Let's go. And pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. Thank you, God. A holy anointing. The power of your presence. Let's go. Pour your spirit out. Pour it out, God. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We worship you, God. Pray for every person here today, God, who feels like they've been wandering in the desert, that today, at this mountain moment, 
that aimless, purposeless journey ceases. And the God of glory, the God of heaven speaks and calls into purpose, into power, into glory. We worship you. Thank you so much for joining us today. That was an incredible message. If you want to get connected, please head over to our website. But if you want to find out more about this amazing series, follow us on Facebook and Instagram or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Otherwise, have an incredible week.